This episode of Truce Table is brought to you by Truce Table. By Truce Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama pop bookstore. Go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truce Table, Midwest culture for grace and truth. I'm Akemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? I am doing. We're out here. <laughs> we are. We recording, are. Yet, yet still, yet still recording. Listen, <laughs> we are still recording, but we... We're my, almost my, there. My, 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 my. We're almost there. It's, it's been a season. It's been listen, a season. Listen, they don't know. <laughs> it was launch, It's launching the book that's felt, that's made this season feel like it's an eternity. I'm the, just telling you. I'm keeping it real with has had, This year has had many years within it. There have been years within the year. So listen, that's listen, all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston said there's the years that ask questions, there's years mm-hmm. that answers. Mm-hmm. But she did not say that there are years within years. So Listen, <laughs> there's a lot but of questions. <laughs> <laughs> there are years within years. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I'm glad to be at the table with you. Look at yes, you with yes, your yes. fresh press. My, 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 my. You know how I feel about straight hair. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, look, if y'all want to wear your hair straight, if your hair is naturally straight, that's probably the best way to wear it straight. That is so funny. But nevertheless, yes, we're going to talk about that, I think, in the upcoming, upcoming season. I think I feel like we're going to talk a bit more about hair. But yes, I had to get my yearly or, or, or twice a year haircut before all my hair falls out my head. And thus, ta-da. Well, it looks healthy and luscious. <laughs> And cute. Thank you. I love the hair color. I love the hair color. Is it not very, isn't it giving like beauty pageant 1995? It's giving very. Not 95. (laughs) I don't know. I feel, well, maybe 85. I feel. Not 85. (laughs) Good memories of the 80s hair. Good memories. But yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So. Thank you, man. Well, I'm glad to be at the table with you during this eternal season um yeah. Yeah, ever enduring season uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. yet yet holding on what does it mean to yet hold on <laughs> which is what we're here to talk about come on the now. topic on the table come on is theology of backsliding now mm-hmm. the title might change y'all so whatever but we are talking about <laughs> you'll you'll back. figure that out as we move along. <laughs> exactly. We talk about backsliding. Okay. The backsliders. Listen, backsliders. that's a, that's that is a total remix from hey. the back from the backstabbers. Not not to be confused with backstabbers. It's a remix, okay? Y'all know, y'all know I'm always gonna have a musical connection. This is the way my brain oh, works. Okay. This is the way my brain works. Uh, except me, except me. <laughs> if you've been here at the table for years, then you already know this is how I come roll. on. Come um on. but yeah, we're talking about backsliding. Sliding, black mm-hmm. those in a backslidden state. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean? What does it look like? How? Why? What brings us? You know, to um, you know that. Let me say, season <laughs> um, and one's journey uh, uh, with the walk in their walk with the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so see, how did you? <laughs> um, how do you hear about backsliding? In yeah. your church uh, or through your church, your own personal church history. Let me say that, right? Because mm-hmm. we've gone in different circles and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I would say that I, I don't think I heard that language on the nose mm-hmm. in my earliest church experiences. So like, hmm, 
AME, Progressive Baptist, National Baptist esque. I'm sure, I mean, with that being said, the vernacular is very much there. But I don't think I heard people talk about it like from the pulpit or the way that they described people who were not amongst the public worship anymore (laughs) until I was in probably more traditional charismatic Pentecostal places. And I mean, when I say traditional, I don't mean like, you know, I just woke up today and was like, I want to have a church and it's going to be charismatic. No, like they were connected to something, <laughs> to some, some things and not, 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 to, not to do a jab at non-denominational churches, but I mean, they were, it was definitely traditional um, connected Pentecostal traditions in which I heard more of that language. How about you? Yeah, um, same, I would say. Uh, yeah, growing up in the church, um, specifically Lutheran, you didn't hear about backsliding or black, backslidden. It wasn't until um, I actually came to faith at, um, in college, at my church in college, that was my um, home church, is where I heard you know the terminology <laughs> of uh backsliding or being backslidden, yeah, or being in a backslidden state or maybe carnality, all types. Of, so that type of language is what I started, is what I heard. And that was a more uh, uh, traditional, that was more of a non-denominational um, Pentecostal mm-hmm. uh, church. And so uh, I remember, yeah, I just remember hearing, uh, hearing that language, never heard it before. So I, you know, so just trying to orient myself, you know, or maybe locate um, myself around that that language. And so I remember, uh, I, I guess it might be a good time to kind of define backsliding or what it is to be in a backslidden state or maybe where it comes from. And so, well, actually, you know what? It, there's a passage in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 3, um, verses 14 through 15. Now I'm going to read from the New King James Version because, you know, all the versions don't say, you know, uh, say it how it needs to be said. <laughs> so this uh, <laughs> portion, this verse, you know, uh, you, you know how Black folks feel about the uh, uh, KJV. Okay, this is NKJV, so I think we, we're good. Um, Return, oh backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. End quote. And so that is, uh, and y'all got a little sample of getting the word, getting the, getting the word with truth table, y'all. Um so that's where the term comes from. Yeah. So, and, and I, when I think about backsliding, um, my understanding of it, my own experience of it, I say that you know, back to be backslidden is to lose, you know, kind of like your fervor um, for Christ and the things of God, which would include the church, right? Um, although I know now with COVID, it's a bit tricky, so I want to, I want to put that caveat <laughs> in there. Um, a persistent loss of joy, you know, like, um, in one salvation, right. So kind of just like, eh, sometimes you're just kind of going through the motions. Um, I think that we've been, I think many have gone through those dry periods, you know, but it's really like losing, um, that fervor uh, to me, I would want to put an emphasis on more so losing the fervor, um, for Christ and the things of God. Right. Um, and I think that that communal aspect, the church aspect, um, the spiritual disciplines, all of that factor into, um, into at least my own definition, you know, of 
what backsliding means. How about how about you see? No, I think that no, that's helpful. Um so I tend to I think of it in the context of so one, it 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 presupposes that there is a condition apart from the gospel, which is um, you know, dead in sins and trespasses, maybe able to do some behavior modification, but not really able to wrestle with or to fight against sin. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's that's a part of what what you know the backdrop in my mind, and that when people were using the language of, of backsliding, it's usually in the context of a overt way because it's discernible to others um, to return to a kind of a pre-Christ behavior. Um, so you can think about it almost like relapse. So you know, for, for a yeah. person who was before Christ, you know, their thing was you know. Gossiping, gossiping, lying, and stealing. I'm just pulling those from the air. Gossiping, lying, or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. and they're in what we would call their backslidden state. It would be a return to that behavior, and maybe even a justification of it. Um, it would be a return to kind of um, resting in that behavior again, or justifying that that behavior, which they know is sinful. But it is an intentional, I'm going back to, to the pig pen. I'm going back to that, which is sinful. I remember, I was just reminded my husband about this like, uh, about a week or so ago. There was a guy that we knew decade plus, a long time mm-hmm. ago, um, who um, was, you know, kind of like, like, like kind of like a community evangelist type, like had a background, had been incarcerated and um, had heard the, the gospel in prison and was like, a minister in prison and came out was a minister and, you know, just was pretty, was pretty intense in a lot of, a lot of ways. Right. Right. But, and you know, like when people, and again, I don't, you know, praise the Lord for, you know, his conversion, but I think in a lot of ways he had created a whole kind of lifestyle around himself to keep him versus the Holy ghost keeping him. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think that there's some unique temptations when we think legalism um, are, are keeping us in the faith. And needless to say, one day I remember uh, looking at Facebook decade plus ago, and he had put a post out and the post said something like, y'all don't even, don't even try to pray for me. Um, don't, don't reach out to me. I have, I've, I've backslidden and I'm not coming back. I'm doing mm-hmm. all the things that I used to do. He had, at that point, I think he had left his wife um, mm-hmm. and, and he had, he had children and all the things. And it was, it was just like, so, oh, it was so like, out there. It was just like, you know, almost like a made for TV drama. You know what I'm saying? It was so, so out there, the post was like, I'm doing all the things y'all. And mm-hmm. by the way, don't try to stop me because I've been trying to, you know, language like buffet the flesh for many, many years and I'm tired and I'm over it mm-hmm. and I'm just going to indulge. And then he even said, I remember, I remember the part that really struck me as he said, and it is what it is. It was kind of like, and I know that there will be consequences not just mm-hmm. in this life, but he, he had a sense of like eternal ramifications. And he was like, so just don't don't even bother me. Let me do what I do. Um, anyway, that, it, it struck me because I've never seen anybody so like sure-footedly go into a place of stated rebellion and not saying like, usually what we have is people that are like, oh, well, it was never wrong to begin with and I'm going to do what I want to do now. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hear that a lot, but it's uncommon for me to hear people who are like, no, I'm going to go back to what I was doing and I know it was wrong and I'm going to keep on doing it. And how about don't stop me? Um, so that really, that really stood out in my mind. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right to bring in the sin um, portion because we know that sin is um, a no limit soldier, and I, and and the fact that you know he was saying, you know, I know that there's consequences. But mm-hmm. I'm going back. Don't pray for me. Like you know, this is like a conscious decision that he's making or had made. Um, maybe he's shifted since then again. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. You know, um, but you know, I think that. Um, 
I think that's, this is probably a good place to actually talk about. Then what is the difference between being backslidden and apostate? Because there is a distinction, and I think that there's sometimes <laughs> the saints mean well, <laughs> but I think there's times that we're trying to plead for people and try to, you know, ring, you know, bring them back or call them back, you know, into the faith. But I think that there's, you know, anyway, I think that there's ways that we can do that that's harmful, uh, which hopefully we could talk about a little bit later. But I think um, we have to make a distinction between what it means to be apostate and to be backslidden, right? Um, and so I, I, I think about that passage with Jeremiah talking about how God is married to the backslider, right? And sometimes, sometimes that scripture is brought up as if <laughs> it's um, as as if it's a license to do whatever you want because God is with you and married to you, kind of like a, you know, trampling on God's grace. Sometimes it is brought up in that way um, as if we don't have any account accountability or the constitution, um, you know, within ourselves in partnership with the Holy ghost <laughs> uh, to actually do the things uh, that's, that God has called us to do that's within his wills and according to the boundaries that God has set because boundaries protect what is sacred. Um, now apostate, you know, to be um, an apostate is someone that has actually renounced the faith and has turned their back on Jesus. Um, and actually we've seen, um, unfortunately we've actually seen quite a bit of that um Probably in the last year, probably this year, and I'd say the past, actually the past couple of years, I would say since the, um, I would say since the uh, the election, Donald Trump, we've actually seen quite a few people um, walk away from the faith and actually renounce the faith. Um, I think those things are not unrelated. Uh, I think that there's um, serious spiritual trauma, religious trauma, racial um, trauma um, behind that. Um, and even the person that when you said, he said, it is what it is, you know, I, what I hear under that is theodicy, right? So how can God be good in the face of evil, right? So a lot of, you know, what drives people toward um, a backslidden state or a po- all out apostasy, you know, I think is worth discussing, which we can, which we could talk about here um, on the show. But uh, see, what, what do you, would you agree with those distinctions on between apostasy and backslidden state, or how would you, is there anything you would add to yeah. make those distinctions? I, I think that when people, so, you know, I, you know, I'm a grace case. So, so I see God's grace at work in a variety of ways. So when you have a person who says, um, you know, I know I'm not where I ought to be, or I, or I am returning to what to the old way instead mm-hmm. of this new way in Christ. There is a sense in which there is a grace that is at work to bring about that level of self-recognition. That's right. And uh, an awareness of this is not right. Now, what you do with that, <laughs> we need more grace. <laughs> but th- there's still an awareness there. And I think when we think about folks uh, in terms of apostasy, you're, you're right. There is a renunciation of Christianity. With that being said, I want to give a slight caveat for people who are listening who might find themselves in this in this category because we got all kinds of people who listen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I would say that um, I praise God if you find yourself apostate from white Christian nationalism. Amen. That has no power to save you. White Jesus cannot save himself. If you, you know, are are coming to terms with the fact that there was a myth, a mythological Jesus that you have been given, and then people are using language like deconstructing from that, 
that's great. <laughs> you, you should definitely do that because <laughs> that has no power to save you, keep you, uphold you, et cetera. Like real problematic. But but I think uh, what we ha- we have also seen E and it has been it's been sad to see because I don't think people and I recognize that for many people there is so much church hurt, spiritual abuse, and disconnection and loneliness as it relates to the life of Christians. But at bottom, the church is to be a family. And if you've ever experienced someone um, leaving your family, um, someone is no longer at the table anymore, not because they've passed away, but because they're like, I'm just done with this family, um, or being kind of put out of a family, that is a deep, painful wound. And so the, um, the, consequ- the consequences of apostasy ripple through a community, and they should ripple through a community. There really should be weeping. There should be the people of God. Um, should be in tears. They should be self-examining. They should be asking the Holy Spirit to search them. Did I do what? What part do I play in this? Was I a stumbling block? Did I um, was I amiss in some way? Um, and you know, we can think about the ways in which uh, Old Testament passages talk about. You know, where are the shepherds? The shepherds who are weeping. And and again, that's a question I ask frequently. Where are the shepherds who are weeping? <laughs> because that really should cause us to feel a deep, deep sense of sadness that someone um, who was a part of our family is no longer a part of our family. Yeah. And I think what's so painful is when that community, um, that church doesn't even notice, right? That they're gone, doesn't notice. Um, so, so that painful. they're not where they used to be um, and maybe couldn't. Um, care less. And so I think that's why that Jeremiah passage um, that mentions, you know, talks about, you know, return, oh, backsliding children, says the Lord, for I'm married to you. I'll take you from one city and two from a family and I'll bring you to Zion. And I'll give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Knowledge Mm -hmm. and understanding. Um, And I, I, yeah, you, I think we you do have to. I think the church has to examine its role in someone's backslidden state or or, or apostasy, um, because I think fundamentally part of it is that there's a lack of discipleship. Like, do you really know the inner core, um, the felt needs, you know, of the people in your pews? Do you know what they're going through? Do you know what they're struggling with? Um, and what it what are the systems in place to ensure that people are known, that people are seen, um, and to know that people uh, have a sense of belonging, regardless of what their status is in the church. I'm talking about from the babies up until the adults, whether um, uh, uh, single, married, divorced, widowed, you know, um, teenagers. Uh, right. Uh, so how are we ensuring that people are cared for uh, at a fundamental uh, level, spiritually um, checked in on? Um, you know, I, I just think that there is a crisis of discipleship in our churches and uh, that's across the board. I don't I don't care where you at. <laughs> I, think, I think there is. And I, I, I obviously COVID has only made that, I would say, even uh, even or exacerbated, let me say, um, that that crisis. And and you're right, we do have to examine. You know what what could I have done? What did I do? Was my life a stumbling block? Was there something I said? Um, is there a way that I treated or mistreated uh, my neighbor? 
you know, because our the saints of God are our neighbors, the people in our pew are our neighbors, um, you know, uh, to to you know to push them maybe over the edge. So yeah, so so yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Let's take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we are going to talk more about um, backsliding, the theology of backsliding. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation is a classic in the making, according to Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggett, author of Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Jamar Tisby, says that people often say, listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. By Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, wherever books are sold. And we are back here at the table talking about a theology of backsliding. Now, see, there's many things that um, that push or drive people to be in a backslidden state. What are what what jumps out to you? What's salient for you at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I can think of my own um, experiences of different different points of my um, sanctification walk with the Lord, in which there were areas of my life where I intentionally did not want the light of truth shown on that area. Like I had a sense of like, hmm, I probably should ask God what God thinks about this. Or, 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 or I already kind of know what God thinks about the following things. <laughs> How about I just don't talk I about agree. it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or I'm just going to, I'm just going to play ignorant with the Lord, <laughs> you know, and uh, as if God is not omniscient and aware of all the things. But um, so I think in some sense there is, you know, we, we create idols all the time, all the time. Um, and when you, when we're thinking about, uh, you know, getting the word with truth table, particularly when we go through those Old Testament passages, the frequency in which, you know, God is not, God is not popping off um, at the people that are, that aren't believers in their idols. He is specifically talking about the people who claim to, to know God, uh, God's people who are, you know, they bring idols into the temple. Like they, they are wild. And, um, and, you know, there's so many instances in which the scripture calls out the fact that those are idols of, of comfort and greed and lust, things that we believe are going to to satisfy us, to satiate this this human, this deep, deep human human longing uh, for acceptance, identity, uh, safety, all of these things. And um, I think whenever we find ourselves um, willfully in an unchecked way going to an idol, protecting that idol, um, like we know it. <laughs> 
Um, and we don't we don't want to we don't want to know what God even think about that. And we know what God thinks about it. But we're not even going to say it out loud or we openly rebuke what, what God thinks about it. Like we find ourselves rebuking um, what God God has said about um, our, our thinking, our behavior, um, our our idols. Um, and I, I think that temptation is something that we wrestle against and we struggle with until we're glorified. So I don't, you know, I'm not looking at people like, whoa, look at them. I just think on, on, on some level, we are always wrestling, but now we have the strength to wrestle because the spirit um, is at work in us and through us, you know? And so, and we don't wrestle in a way where we create more laws that God did not give us the authority to create, you know, um, and much of what we need to do is rest and live in a place of contentment, you know, godliness with contentment is great gain. And um, that is not preached enough, but because it, it's, it's, it's painful, but it really is a disposition of resting in God. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's what comes to mind for me. As you think about your own, your own journey with Jesus, uh, what comes to mind for you when you think about this idea of, yeah, backsliding? Yes, a, a journey with Jesus is right. Um, Listen, I've been walking with the Lord for some time now. Um, got some miles in my belt now. You know, the saint said, just keep on living, baby. Well, I, I've been living, y'all. I've been living, y'all. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it is and wild. <laughs> the road most definitely ain't been easy. Um, you know, when I think about backsliding and I think about my own walk, um, my own experiences, and even um, dalliance, um, with backsliding, you know, I, I think when I have been backslidden, um, which I, I, I think I would call it that. I really, I, I think that's a fair label. You know, I can, I tend to be a bit, uh, you know, pretty critical of myself. So I might be, this might, I might be, you know, pushing into that, but I, I think I, I have been in a backslidden, um, state, um, before. And when I was in that state, I know that I was operating from a place of um, where my framework about God was one in which God is not abundant. <laughs> um, there was a scarcity, you know, mentality. That's right. Um, in which it's like, no, I, I got to do for me. Um, and that's, that's also just some childhood stuff. Let's be real talk. That's yeah. just you know. Like, well, we're we're always we're always shaped by something. And God knows that God was there when we were being shaped by it. Ex- mm-hmm. Exactly. So some <laughs> of that is just my well, you know. I just I I got to do for me. Like you know what I mean. I, ain't nobody gonna look out for me but me. Um, and so some of that is that trying to do stuff in my own strength. And for me, at least, how that has shown up, particularly within my backslidden state, I always know. Um, a good gauge or barometer for me in my walk um, on like where I am in my life or a good temperature check for me is who it is I entertain in my life. It's always been a reflection of where I am with the Lord, you know? And so uh, I remember when I was in um, a backslidden state and there was this guy who had entertained and y'all know I don't really, well, like I said, because we're launching a book, I talked about this aspect of my life, but I don't typically talk about it on Truth Table, but um, because uh, boundaries. But I wanted to <laughs> listen. You know, I believe in them. I, I believe in boundaries. I, listen know. Down. Listen, <laughs> I can't get all my. All I, my I, I, I play no games. About I got to protect some things. Okay, <laughs> so my personal life is very important, but but this one's long distance and years in the rear view. Okay, and I just remember 
you know, who I entertained at the time. And I was like, why? Okay, yeah, yeah, he said was a believer. Uh, but everything about him, you know, uh, his character, um, his speech, his conduct was contrary, you know, to to uh, a child of God, right? Um, and and so I, it was when I was in, you know, that situation ship, let's call it that, um, that I realized I was like, oh yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> in a back, backslidden Listen. state. And, you know, and the things I would do, the compromises I would make, you know? And so I, uh, so yeah, that's something that has always been for me, yeah. a barometer on like where, where I am, you know, um, with the Lord and you're right. And grace is always at work. Right. And so, yeah. and God is so gracious, so gracious. And yes, in the old Testament too, because it's the same God in the old and in the new <laughs> y'all let's come on, let's keep these things together. Um, because in the old Testament, you see a lot of God's grace, a lot. God gives, yeah. God continues to give us 50, 11 chances. Like right when you think God's about to lay down the gauntlet, you're like, okay, for one, one of y'all got some kit, right? So I'm going to hold on. Like, you know, um, but even in my backslidden state, I know the spirit was at work and like jolting me and waking me up, you know, and just um, removing maybe the scales from my eyes and helping me to see um, and to trust and to walk, you know. So that's kind of that's really that's that right there is what you call the perseverance of the saints, y'all. Like you, God is not going to let go of his children. He's not going to let go of the elect. If I can say that, I mean, he's, he's just not like, you know what I mean? Like you cannot, even when you lose your grip, God can't, God cannot lose his grip on you. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And now we might, you know, we do, we wander, we, you know, we fall down, we do get up. Um, but we, when we get up by God's <laughs> grace, you know, shout out to Donnie McClurkin, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think about that. I think about what also helped me, you know, cause I think it's helpful to probably say what helped me. And then I do want to talk about what it means for us to help others that we that we see um, in a backslidden state. Um, it was even my even my community. Now I have always been. I will say this about myself. I have always been one to tell on myself because I just <laughs> you know, and that I just can't have peace if I know that I'm like not doing what I ought to do. I'm outside the will of the Lord. I'm not living right. I will tell. Or if I'm struggling with something, I will tell, I will shoot a text. I will call. Um, and so I'm absolutely grateful for my my mentor, um, Stephanie Evans, um, my bestie, Janetta Ellison, you know, uh, and Mirta, Mirta Edwards, who have b- been walking with me for years, right? Since, um, yeah, since I came to faith. And so I always knew, particularly Steph, I could just tell her like, this is what's going on. I need to pray, you know, or sometimes she'll be like, I need to pray about it because I'm sensing something you know. <laughs> and she can, and she can see, she can see me, you know, in that way, which is such a gift. It is a gift. And I didn't know it initially when I first came to, came to the faith that not everybody has a mentor, not everybody has a spiritual mentor, not everybody has a disciple, but I do. And so I think the, that community, those were like, God's guardrails for me. Um, it was, uh, um, you know, it was one of God's very clear evidence of uh, uh, means of grace in my life was my own accountability, you know, um, community and circle who I'd be like, y'all, this is what happened. Uh, you know, I need y'all to pray, you know, and so, and that's what I did. But I, I think you do have to, um, you know, James talks about, you know, confessing sin one to another. Uh, I'm sorry, maybe, I'm sorry, that's first John, my bad. 
you know, um, but confessing sin one to another, you got to have some humility and, and ability to be able to tell people what's going on in your life and what you need prayer for um, and what you need help with and where you yeah. need the Lord to come through quickly. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so you don't fall back. So, Well, I mean, so I think when we think about what happens at the cross, both sin and shame are nailed to the cross. And it is so we know why it's important that sin is nailed to the cross, because we, for the most part, think of ourselves. And certainly we can look at others and see their sin (laughs) or or what we think is their sin. Um, But that shame part is just as important, because without uh, Christ reigning over our shame and being reminded of that, Shame will make us not do the very practices that we know are in our best interest, that are in our spiritual best interest, like confessing our sins one to another, um, forgiving people, extending um, forgiveness to others, um, uh, naming what we struggle with, um, you know, and being honest about it. And so we need we need a God who reigns over both our sin and our shame, because that shame will, will stop us from doing from getting the grace that's being extended to us, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that is just, it's important to reflect on that. I, you know, a lot of a lot of believers do not have mentors. They do not have um, a situation where iron is sharpening iron. The loneliness epidemic that we talk about shows up in, in all kinds of places, but it certainly shows up in the church. And it doesn't matter if your church is a storefront or if it's a, one of these mega, mega churches. Um, it is not uncommon for us to run into people. And I know in my work to be with people who have a very lonely Christian life. And some of that loneliness is because they've been hurt by people in the church. Um, even if they've only been hurt by a handful, it only takes a handful. We remember the worst experiences. It is, you know, it's 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 the one it's the one bad grade on the report card. It is the one negative comment, and that's just the way our brain is set up. It it will it will uh, take camp around that one negative thing, and it will become defining of all things. And I, and again, we need healing. We need acknowledgement. In some cases, we need flat out justice because we've been so mistreated, um, and we have a right to justice in those matters. But we still need a community of believers. We're, there, there are no Christians at large. And um, Christ died for a body, of, of a community of people. And That's we right. are to be in that community. Um, it, what's amazing is that most of the people who are listening to us are listening to us likely from places in which they are not experiencing the type of persecution where Christians have to hide um, where they where they where they meet <laughs> under one light with a couple of pages of scripture that they have smuggled in, and I say that to say that, um, and that doesn't mean that people don't take real hits for um, their their faith wherever they are in the world. Um, and, and Christ has told us that in this life you will have some troubles, you will suffer. But I raise that to say that if you're listening to us, it's most likely that you are a part of a, a context in which you can freely walk outside your home or come outside of your home and find a group of believers to publicly uh, worship together, to study together. And so, um, so I hear people say like, I can't find a good church or I, you know, everything is terrible or I don't know where to turn. There is in some ways we have an extra burden on us, um, an extra expectation because we don't have to hide our faith in the United States. I mean, some version of it is quite accepted. I wouldn't necessarily say that's the real faith, but there is a version of it that's very mainstream. And um, But all of that stands potentially as a, as a testament against us if we are not seeking out um, community or building community. I mean, even if it's a group of just five or 10 people, right? We, we have to have community. And um, 
we find ourselves sometimes looking to people for answers and solution. Like they, they represent like our whole church or spiritual experience. And to be honest with you, some, some people, they're disconnected themselves. Like we're looking to disconnected people for connection. <laughs> and again, that's not everyone. Um, but I, you know, and, and it's not a question that we even ask of people, right? Uh, the frequency in which we have had people, people whose entire world is speaking about, some topic through a Christian lens or, or pulling upon Christian authority to do so. And we never inquire about their Christian community that they're a part of, or we, or about their spiritual journey or how they're doing and how, how we can pray for them and support them. All that to say is that we can find ourselves using people in that way, but also ultimately unfulfilled because we're going to disconnect people for connection. Um, and so we need, we need a community, as you just mentioned about, we need people that we're confessing our sins to because we got sins. And we got to confess them to somebody. And that includes to God, but also to a person. We are called to confess to another person. I know that's hard. I know it's hard, but it's what it say. <laughs> so we got to figure out somebody, somebody's to do that too. So if, as, as you think about this topic, um, we know, again, a lot of people who are really hurting and um, because they have left or because they have watched someone that they love leave the faith or they think they might have left the faith, right? So what, what wisdom um, from, from your experience and from the scripture do you, would you pull on in um, helping to navigate, navigate this topic? Yeah, you know, I think um, sometimes, yeah, when we talk about the backslidden state, you know, you, earlier we talked about how, you know, sometimes maybe they were... Um, you know, driven back, you know, because of maybe something that happened within the church or some of the experience. Maybe somebody was real mean and has been real harsh, you know, um, to them or treated them unkindly. Or some sometimes it has nothing to do with the church. Sometimes, oftentimes, um, we can be driven back um, right. by right. the suffering that we experience in our life, which is why I talked about the Odyssey earlier, right? So, which is, um, you know, that talks about, you know, how can God be good in the face of suffering? Maybe mm-hmm. somebody, you know, has lost, um, has experienced significant grief, um, lost family members, you know, um, lost both parents, you know, in close succession or children, right? Lost their own children. Mm-hmm. Who knows? They are, there are a host of reasons um, why someone might, you know, um, go into a backslidden state or maybe go as far as to um, commit apostasy. Um, and so I think, uh, and you know how we feel about trauma and mental health here at Truth Table. So I don't, I, I'll never minimize people's trauma um, or even mental health journey. It's not a game. You know what I mean? That stuff mm-hmm. is serious. Um, and so, so I, you don't want to minimize it. Right. But I think that we want to we want to acknowledge the reality that we have better reasons to trust God, even in the midst of some very, very great um, trauma, great suffering, mm-hmm. um, and great pain. And so, um, so I think that some sometimes it's just a suffering. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a, you know, I'm tired of waiting on you, God. Like <laughs> you're not working on my timeline, and I yeah. and I've had enough because I've done this, that, 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 and the third, you know. But when we start listing off things, we we are actually asking God for a wage, right? Because blessings are not earned. <laughs> blessings come to us by God's grace, 
favor and mercy on us. And if we want to draw a wage from God, I think that we need to make sure we are examining the scriptures because the wages we would be drawing, we would be drawing an eternity in hell. We don't want that. Okay. So, so let's live into grace. Let's live into favor. Yeah. And just continuing, you know, to, to persevere, but what, what do we do? How do we do that? And so I, so when I, when I thought about backsliding or being in a backsliding state. For me, what came up was actually um, the parable of the sword. Now y'all know how I feel about paper Bible. So yes, I'm bringing up my paper Bible. My paper Bible, I don't care. I thought about the parable of the sower that Jesus you know, told. I'm not going to read the whole thing, y'all. We got to get in the word. Y'all can hear us read the whole Bible um, on that podcast. So, But I am going to lift up a, a portion of it. So I'm in Matthew 13. This is the NIV, which is my preference. Um, I'm in the NIV. And so I'm going to read particularly verse five, but I'm going to read four for context and maybe and six, you know, let me do that. Matthew 13, verse four to about six. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed, this is verse eight now, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. So um, what came up for me when I think about this, I read this passage and I was thinking about that and just thinking about how, you know, when you come to faith and, you know, there's fervor in the beginning, you know, you start off. Um, and you're on fire and you're doing this, you're doing that, you know, and the joy of the Lord's your strength. And you just, you know what I mean? feel like, like God really, God really does hear me when I pray. He's been answering every prayer, you know? <laughs> so, but then. About you know, that we, is not my testimony, but go ahead. <laughs> right, 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 right. That, okay. And so, and then, so, and then, and then the cares of the world, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. start to come in, they start For to sure. creep in. Um, and then, um, and it just chokes out you know, what was sown. And then it talks about how the sun rises and it scorches, <laughs> you know, the plant. So that you, you know, you were growing, you were going. Persecution. The heat, right? Mm-hmm. Of persecution, the heat of suffering, the mm-hmm. heat of trials, right? Mm-hmm. The heat of job loss, the yeah. heat of heart uh, heartbreak, yeah. um, the heat of betrayal mm-hmm. uh, from, a, from your closest friend. Uh, mm-hmm. That starts to, you know, come in hurt from yeah. your pastor. Maybe, you know, uh, you know what for sure. You you add you you, you could fill in the blank, you know, with your own <laughs> exactly. trial. You, you know have your, your you own, have your story. You got your stuff, right? <laughs> um, you know, and so I I I thought about that and I was like, wow, in the sun and in, in the you know, and, and just all that we all we've been there. We've been there. Like, you know, and you wonder is my living in vain? Like what am I mm. what am I really doing? What am I gaining? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From living because uh, you know, because you know we're spiritual economists. We're like, now what is in it for me? That's what oh, am yeah. I gaining? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We are absolutely we're spiritual capitalists. That's listen, say That's that. What we be okay? Say that. Say um, that. I, not be. So, but that it's true. That's the way we're like. Well, uh, th- when am I going to get the return on my investment? You know, um, and so, <laughs> exactly right. You know what I mean. So, so it's um. So I, I thought about that, and I just was. I was thinking about man, the the need. This is why we need the spirit. 
This is how you know it's the spirit that does this. So mm-hmm. when we see somebody that's in a backslidden state or we or is somebody that is apostate who has said, I renounce, <laughs> you know, Jesus, right? Yeah. I'm saying that to somebody that says that. Not me. Not me. Um, <laughs> what? You know, Lulu. I think I've seen this time and again. I've seen it. And I understand the temptation, you know what I mean? Because I, I'm intellectual, I'm cerebral, you know, and I, you know, I, I logic is king for me. <laughs> Reason mm. is king for me. I mm. could, you know what I mean? I could, mm. you know, and having a sales background, I'm like, oh, I could just persuade you. I, you know what I mean? Like, but you know what? The reality is that I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen it online where people just want to, oh, but this, you know what I'm saying? And they want to present evidences and they want to, present yeah. facts and they want to reason with the person and they want to uh, 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 go toe to toe and, and do logic and take them down to the lo- most logical conclusion of their argument and, and whatnot. And I'm telling y'all right now, that is not the way. And the reason why I know is that it is not about Yes, 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 yes. Yes, we have the mind of Christ. Yes, um, our faith is deeply, deeply um, intellectual. Uh, But at some point, your faith, I mean, your reason has got to yield to your faith. Because Jesus walked among thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, and everybody didn't believe. He multiplied the fishes and the loaves. He he turned water into wine. He done walked on water. I mean, he did it all. He did it all. And those were those were blatant miracles, blatant evidences right there in front of their eyes. And still some did not believe. So that lets you know that this, this faith that we have is not a mere exercise in intellectualism. It is by the power of the Holy Ghost himself that we have been uh, brought into the beautiful light of God's kingdom and have been ter- and have been removed from the kingdom of darkness it is by the power of the blood that we have been washed and that we are kept um, and it is by the power of the spirit that we have been given a measure of faith because all of us have been given a different measure of faith to be able to remain and to stay in the faith. And that God is able to make you stand <laughs> on the day of judgment and that it is a spirit at work within us, working and willing to do according to God's good pleasure. And so at some point, your faith, I mean, your reason has got to yield to your faith, period. You know, and so that that is oftentimes the default is people want to boop, 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 boop you know, go toe to toe and whip out this apologetics argument and defend. And I understand, I get, I get the impulse, you know, but the best thing you can do, I think at that moment is to pray for that person. You know, just pray for the person, you know, um, because it has to be a work of the spirit. It has to be the spirit that turns the stony heart into a heart of flesh or draws and woos, woos, the, per- the person has to be wooed back and only by the spirit can you woo somebody, um, woo somebody back. See, what would you say? No, I yeah, I think that the way that we treat people, we have to be mindful of, you know, I, I talked to you about this, whether it's your fear voice or your faith voice. And a fear voice will will make you start trying to desperately, you know, 
pull out whatever you have to keep them in a place, not recognizing that we have to entrust people to Jesus. And what I would say is that the the apologetics approach is one that is definitely warranted, and we need to be able to give a reason for the hope that we have. Amen. But when we're working with somebody or we're, or we're, we're talking to someone or in relationship with someone who is... Um, you know, if you're thinking about they're just like, well, you know, I'm done with this. I'm no longer a part of it. I think we can, we have a question we can ask, which is, do you have a question that you've been wrestling with that we can wrestle with together? In other words, we can extend to them an opportunity to, to carry the question, not by themselves, but to qu- carry the question in community. Cause it may be a question we have too, <laughs> you know, you never know. And I That's think, right. and I think that we, what we can do is we can offer them, um, we can offer them our peace and not our panic. Um, and, and again, with that being said, it doesn't mean that we don't think it's a very important and serious thing. It, it, it is. It is. And I also think that it's, sometimes it's different based on how this person is connected to you or related to you. Um, one of the things I had a good, a good friend of mine, we, um, some years ago, we, yes. would, we would give each other the names of the people or initials of the people who we were we were praying for that we had a specific connection to. And quite frankly, one of our prayers was that someone outside of us <laughs> would 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 come come upon this person and uh you know, the Lord would work through that person's witness because we knew that we were not best equipped. We were too close to it. We were family. We got history. We have this kind of we have this kind of emotional element that we could not manage in a way we couldn't self-soothe in a way. So it was coming up in our conversation. So we were here we are trying to be winsome. And really what we're being is argumentative because it's so high stakes. It's so risky to us. We're so passionate about it. And we, in some ways, would have to pray for the Lord to send another messenger, not ourselves. And, and I think uh, that's something that we need to have awareness of is that God works through all kinds of natural and supernatural means. And entrusting people to Jesus is saying, um, Bless it how you want to bless it. Oftentimes we're giving God step-by-step, point-by-point bullet list of how we want blessings in our life. The blessing for the person who we know that's outside of the faith, how we want you know our, our life to work out. We, we, we come into the Lord with an entire blueprint, a plan, an action plan. And God's ways are higher than and our ways. Executed this way. In, in this way. At this time. I'm walking away. <laughs> what? I'm like, what is happening? Oh, Instead of being like, you know what? If, if you're powerful enough to make these things come to pass, if it be your will and it's what is best for me, then you're also wise enough to know how it ought to unfold as well. And so I think entrusting people over is really important. I think we have to be wise about our words. While we're praying for people, we don't have to tell them that we're praying for them sometimes. People read that as snark. That's like, right. like if I say I'm praying for you, I'm, I'm usually praying for you in that moment. I may even write down a prayer and send it to you because if I don't, my memory is bad. I'll forget to pray for you, honestly. So, so it's, it's not uncommon for me to send you. They don't need to know you. you're praying for them, y'all. They, they don't, they don't need to know that. And, unless, they, unless they've asked you, if they've asked you, then you can say, yes, that's what I'm doing. But I think the way that that comes across to people like, well, I'm just going to pray for you. I mean, it, it can come across in a very condescending way, yes, even if that's can. not your intention. And again, we work with the impact and not just the intention of what you mean is also how people experience it. So um, I think that again, we we tag team, we find, we ask other people to to join us in this. And that is also the beauty of being connected to a local church that you have accountability with. No, yeah, that's um really good. See, it's per- knowing, you know, if you're the person, 
who should be the one that comes to correct gently is what the word says for us to do anyway. Um, but you may not be that person. Right. And so um, I love that you, um, your friend were like praying for somebody else because you had the self-awareness to know that we are not the ones to actually yeah. to be able to minister to this point, this person's point of need, our proximity. We're too close. Um, they may not receive from us. You know, we know that a prophet is not received in his own hometown. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So. And sometimes we just, we just have too much fear. So we can't That's even, right. We can't even get it out right. You know, yeah, our like, anxiety is a really, problem. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. That's true. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I think I, hopefully that's those are some, you know, helpful ways for us to think about our own experience of, you know, backsliding. If, you know, if any of the sisters at the table or the brothers in the standing room section might be in a backslidden state, hopefully this might help to give them some language, you know, some put, put some texture you know, on the experience. And then for those who do see and have seen or have observed maybe people within their own vicinity that are backslidden or have gone as far as to um, to renounce the faith, right? And have, yeah. are in an apostate um, state that, you know, we would at least have some tools on how, you know, to move forward and to progress, you know. Um, sometimes our healing is in our own mouth, y'all. Sometimes we just got to open up our mouths and tell folk what's going on because faith is a community project. It just mm, is. Yeah. Um, and we're not an island unto ourselves. Ain't no um, no Christian that's just a Christian in a vacuum. We're just yeah. not. We belong to a people. We belong to God and to a people. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk, talk about this and talk about backsliding. I hope it's a blessing. Yeah. You know, to our to our listeners. So I would, what do you want to add? I would go? just say to the to the people who are listening, and again, we're really aware that we have people who started Truth Table with us, season one, who they themselves are at a very different place than they thought they were, even as season one. Real talk. Um, and I wanna I wanna speak to the person who has gone back to a way of being and can still hear the voice of the Lord saying, mm this ain't it. <laughs> I want to let you know that because you feel that conviction, uh, the Lord is yet working on you and do not harden your heart. Um, God is is on the front porch waiting for you to come home, waiting for you to come home and is ready to to tell that older sibling who's judging to hush up. And oftentimes that may be us <laughs> in the church, but God is beckoning you back home. The robe is ready the fatted calf has been slaughtered for your meal. You you have a place at the table, and I don't want any. Um, I don't want lies. I don't want shame. I don't want any of that to get in the way of you hearing the voice that is most important, which is God's voice saying, "Come home, my child." And to those who are apostate, those who have have renounced the faith outright and who may still be listening. Maybe they get a kick out of our humor because we, we're very funny um, or whatever reason why. Maybe they just signify because I do that sometimes myself. Um, what I'd like to say to you is that it is it is God alone that separates the wheat from the tares. It is the Lord alone who knows. And even we ourselves might think that we know how our story ends. Mm-mm. God knows how our story ends. And so for that person, know that if there's a question that we can ponder with you, we want to ponder the question with you and not judge you. Um, and that your story is not done yet either. And so we entrust you fully to the hands of God, even a God who you might be renouncing right now. We entrust you to the hands of that God. Um, and as much as we can, for whatever it's worth to you, 
if there's any way in which the church or Christian people have let you down, who have harmed you, have overlooked you, have not seen you, um, if, if it can be received from us, we deeply apologize. And uh, you are special. You are special to God. You are made in God's image. And I pray that you would become a part of our family, um, the family of God again. Amen. And amen. You know, um, on that note, we want to thank y'all for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about the theology of backsliding using the hashtag Truth's Table. Black women, did y'all know that we have a Facebook discipleship group just for Black women? Just need to follow Truth's Table on Facebook, answer the questions so you can join the group, and invite your homegirls to join you too. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth's Table, or email us your thoughts about this episode at info at truthstable.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth's Table has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. Our video producer is Daryl Bradford. And we have been your hosts, Kemeny and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.